Well, howdy, everyone, and welcome to Microphones of Madness. <laughs> wow. I'm Rodney, and over yonder, Steve. Howdy, partner. And if you're wondering why I'm talking like this, uh, Steve will inform you as uh, we're, we're doing another book today. This time, it is a Western. As if you couldn't tell. That's right. But this is... So, it's kind of a Western done via the East. Well, it is done via the East. It's written by a Japanese gentleman who uh, is, this is embarrassing, uh, Hideyuki Kikuchi, famous for the uh, Vampire Hunter D. And uh, Demon City Shinjuku. And this book originally came out, what, like six years ago, and it was recently translated by Jim Ryan, um, who I think is a great uh, Japanese translator. Yep, he, uh, he translated uh, Amamatsu Ken. Uh, yes, I just wanted to say that, and I had mentioned this a couple episodes back, I believe, uh, we read Cthulhu Reich, and there's a story in there where uh, the Nazis are transporting undesirables to the Antarctic to uh, people a base down there, and they're overrun by Shogos. Uh, and I've read that story translated by Jim Ryan and translated by somebody else. I can't remember off the top of my head because it was in another anthology. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you that Jim Ryan's version, uh, same story. Uh, just what flowed better, uh, made more sense to me. Uh, I just I enjoyed it better. Right, right. So I, 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 it's one of the reasons why I was looking at this book. To be honest with you, was uh, because uh, of Ryan's Ryan's involvement. Mm-hmm. It's actually Ryan, not Ryan. Right, Ryan. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I don't know much about how you know translation works, except that. You know, there is a literal translation, and then there's more of an interpretive translation. Well, as a as a user of Twitter and Facebook with uh, interacting with people from Japan, let me tell you that the literal translation blows ass. <laughs> the literal literal <laughs> translation is often filled with moments of unintentional comedy and surrealism. Well, the, the problem is that the languages have different grammatic structures. So you can't really make a literal translation because the, the, the grammar is all wrong. Right, right. So now, your, your robots and algorithms don't really know that. So, yes, you do get like comedy. Mm. Um, so, so you need to have that, that cultural translation as well. Right. And Jim does a wonderful job. Yes, uh, this book was very easy to read. Let's uh, let's mosey on into the old west um, and talk about this western that's also an eastern with tentacles. Yes, it is kind of like the if Yojimbo and um, um, what's that movie with Jackie Chan? Oh, um, Shanghai Noon. <laughs> Shanghai Noon. Red Sun. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it leans a little more toward Red Sun. 
Um, you know, with with less buddy comedy. <laughs> no, why don't Why don't uh, you uh, Why don't you tell everybody what the title of the book is? The title is West of Innsmouth, a Cthulhu Western. There you go. Now everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yes, it's not a Vampire Hunter D book, though there are a lot of similarities between uh, the way this this works and how Vampire Hunter D novels work. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm an expert, but I've read a couple. Right, right. This this book overall, rather than being an actual historically accurate western, like so many writers, I think probably in the United States try to do, this has that kind of spaghetti western feel that it's like the West in in that kind of uh, almost mythic type of presentation you know where everything is rock and sand and you know hardy plants towns yeah. plop ramshackle towns plopped in the middle of nowhere like I said of. it's like you know, Jimbo yeah it is uh, someone from Japan's idea of what you know, the West was so someone who is informed by uh, film, historical fiction and film, just as if you or I were to write a samurai story, it would probably be filled with with samurai film and um, and story tropes as opposed to reality. <laughs> very much so. Very much so. I mean, you know, and yeah, which. Obviously, it would be a very interesting mix because a lot of it would be based around Kurosawa, who in turn was trying to emulate John Ford. So, right. So we would still be writing westerns. That's true. And that's the great thing about it is the 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 intersect between the the western. And the the sam and samurai fiction is they are so intertwined. There is definitely a decades long conversation between the two genres, um, back and forth, and how they informed each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know the romantic ideal of the gunslinger as being kind of this six gun Ronin type of character. And vice right. versa, and, and, the Ronin and vice versa. being, you know, yeah. there's their six gun is is a katana right or a baby cart filled with all sorts of crazy shit right Uh, even well even like the uh the uh was it mike if you look at some of his uh films like uh was it 13 assassins Mm -hmm. uh that's definitely informed by westerns which have been informed by samurai films and it bounces back and forth Mm -hmm. yeah Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so overall, you know, what what did you think? Yeah, I mean, you recommended the book, so I'm letting you kind of steer the boat here. Well, I, I recommended it blind, um, just by reputation. Well, I'm I'm dragging you in and putting you on the hot seat first because you are, admittedly, not a fan of the genre. Of That's Westerns. true. I'm not a big fan of westerns. Um, I could I much prefer weird westerns if if I'm going to be forced to read a western it's gonna have something in it that isn't quite there right um i actually i mostly enjoyed this book Mm -hmm. um there were parts of it that were kind of uh i won't say problematic because that's too harsh of a word um i will say that some of the characters 
are a little dopey, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that that's coming from um, a certain point of view. Uh, For example, one of the characters is a ninja Mm -hmm. named Shinobi, which is kind of funny, uh, who can do basically anything. Right. Um, He can be in two places at once because he's so goddamn fast. Right. Right. He's definitely like an anime ninja. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's that's where you're getting a lot of the comparisons to Vampire Hunter D is just the fact that Shinobi possesses these kind of like almost cartoonish, the the cartoonish aspect of, of the Shinobi. It actually reminds me of the um, the ninja in Path of the Assassin. I don't know if you've ever read uh, that manga. No. It is by the same people who brought to you such great um, manga as Wolf and Cub. Mm-hmm. And Samurai Executioner. Lady Snowbird. Uh, but, but they have, uh, you know... The semi-realistic ninja that could more or less perform miracles. Right. Um, also, I believe that uh, the author of uh, shit. Oh God, uh, Ninja Scroll is is uh, one of Kikuchi's uh, friends. So definitely, Shinobi is influenced by the Jubei character of Ninja Scroll. Right. So it's um, semi-realistic um, depiction of superhuman ninjas. But compared to what else the fuck is going on in this book, and that doesn't, it doesn't seem as far-fetched. It just seems a little out of place. Mm-hmm. Because... The main character, who is not Shinobi, the main character is a gunslinger named Shooter. Um, Shooter. So you have Shooter and Shinobi, men with no and, name. And, right. So just so we're clear, and Shinobi, if you're not a fan of Naruto, <laughs> Shinobi is another word for ninja. Mm-hmm. As Shooter is another word for gunslinger. Right, and Shooter is is a bounty hunter. Right, and Shinobi kind of is as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You you find out a little bit about his backstory, and he, 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 they're kind of in the same boat, just from two opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, I don't want to give away too much of how this plot works, uh, because it's it's definitely interesting. And I like what was done with the typical Lovecraftian trope mm-hmm. of, of uh, people versus the mythos, right? right. Even uh, people with vast amounts of knowledge, right? We just read the um, Tales of Yog Sothoth, and you had uh, people who were pretty knowledgeable uh, going up against the mythos. And here, uh, that trope is actually kind of inverted. <laughs> I don't right. know what the proper word for that is without giving it away. Right. People who are embroiled in the mythos versus the mythos. 
Right. It, it gets a little bit complicated because uh, our our protagonist shooter, and this isn't so much of a spoiler as it's kind of a necessary thing to kind of understand what's going on. Um, shooter is a member of the uh, Order of Dagon. Yes. And... Which may make you want to say, Nani? Right. But, uh, yeah, he is sent out on a mission because there's a little bit of a wrinkle in uh, Marsh and the Deep One's plan. Right. And that is your good story setup right there. Um, Yes, so instead of people stumbling upon the machinations of of a cult and striving uh, through their own uh, sanity to put an end to it. We have someone who is part of it um, and gets involved in a turf war, I guess, Mm -hmm. so to speak, uh, between different factions. Yep. I would say that. Very Very much a Yojimbo fistful of dollars type of situation. With yes. much larger scale consequences. Right. Now, Shooter obviously isn't the only um, member that we run into. Uh, we run into a number of members. Some of them are on in Shooter's faction. Some of them are not. Um, one of the factions, and I will say this because it is kind of like the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you have a tribe... Of, um, of Comanche, Comanche, who uh, are worshippers of Cthulhu, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not your typical like all Indians suck kind of Lovecraftian trope. It's this particular um, tribe worships Cthulhu and is basically ostracized for it, shunned by everyone, every other. Uh, tribe around. Uh, they are the Insmouthians, if that's a word, of um, the American Southwest. Yep. Uh, very much so. And and that's, that's actually a recurring theme. We see uh, a couple of tribes mentioned uh, where folks who have come into contact with the, with the older gods um, are shunned and outcast for turning away from the quote unquote real and true beliefs. Right. So you have, you have that, which is, it's, it's a nice, um, it's a nice way of, of non absolutism when it comes to mythos worshiping, which is, I've mentioned it before. One of my pet peeves, mm-hmm. obviously there are going to be uh, in a world where the mythos exists and there are cultists of the said mythos there are going to be cultists from everywhere, right? Right. But it's not going to be flat out every Comanche is a Cthulhu cultist. Right. 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 So uh, just just as like not all uh, not all New Englanders are Cthulhu cultists. Right, exactly. Just the ones up in Salem. <laughs> just Salem. That's it. Real life yeah. Cthulhu mythos cultists right there. All right, so, so yeah, there's there's that part of it. Um, yeah, I, the the pacing is rather interesting. Um, he does introduce 
a number of characters, you know, legendary characters of the old West. Uh, it's almost an encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah. We have, uh, first and foremost, you can't really have a Western without, uh, having mention of Bat Masterson, Doc Holliday, Wyatt Earp, you know, yeah, Wild Bill gets a shout out. Yeah. Uh, most of the people mentioned when, when he interacts with, with uh, someone who has a name are actual historical figures Yep, from the West. Much like if you were, were writing a uh, samurai thing, you would probably run into Musashi. Mm, probably not. Really? Because remember when we played Star Wars and we ran into every goddamn Star Wars character? Yeah, but... You know, I, I, I know a few more swordsmen than uh, Musashi. All right. But we would be running into those swordsmen, is what I'm saying. Yeah, probably, yeah. Yes. So, can't fault him for that. That adds authenticity, makes it kind of more like an alternate history as opposed to, like, pure fiction. Uh, I, I, that doesn't bother me. Not as much as it could have. Uh, if it's done poorly, it does, but it wasn't. Like some people we've read. Right. But yeah, I mean, actually, Doc Holliday has a very large role in this story. That was, <laughs> uh, I was actually a lot very surprised. There is a Doc, and it's not just Doc Holliday, it's Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday. Yeah, it is definitely, I definitely reread uh, Doc Holliday as Val Kilmer while I was reading this. Uh, yeah, for sure. They, I mean, you know, I one for I don't. Each of you. Yeah, I got two guns, one for each of you. Uh, yeah, I, you know, he doesn't mention that in the afterward that that tombstone had any influence, but but you can tell maybe that was more of uh of uh, Ryan's uh, translation. That's true. adding that kind of there's a even when you're writing in in words there's a way you can match certain cadences uh, sentence lengths word choices stuff like that and a lot of Doc Holliday's dialogue throughout this matched up with those cadences and word choices that from the the tombstone script and it that, really that lent true. itself to uh, providing that kind of that that Val Kilmer performance. Well, it does say something about how well it's translated. If um, you can, uh, if it's seamless like that, mm -hmm. um, where it you, it's recognizable and you are wondering whether it, that is uh, intentional or if it's a translation thing, right? Or you know, or if it's all in your head. That just speaks to um, how well it was translated. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the pacing was really great. Um, you know, it moved along. I never really found myself getting bored. And in fact, you it's very short book. Um, I was reading yeah, it, it in Adobe Digital Editions. Uh, and it came topped out at like 173 pages cover to cover um i don't know what it 
what it, how long it was. It's it's not it's novella length. I, I would say it, yeah, I mean, very it, short novel. It, and you're right; it reads well. Um, it's structured so that each each section uh, sort of stands on its own. So you have three or four short stories within the 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 whole thing, but they all tie together. Mm-hmm. So it, so it's it's not. It's not ever tedious, right? Um, a, a lot of times, when when you're writing something uh, that doesn't have a, a, a structure like this, um, that's episodic, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, it can tend to, to drag a little, right? Because you always have to, have, for some reason, anything that uh, that's written in an episodic sort of manner, uh, generally starts leaning toward filler after a while you right. know it's like i don't want to jump right ahead to you know this part of the main plot so i have to go and do two chapters of side project this particular right. one even though has a couple of side stories the he always manages to link them back up to the main thrust of the novel uh, some sometimes better than others. Yeah, and it's usually through the character of Shinobi, mm-hmm. um, who who will disappear and then reappear mysteriously because he's a ninja, right? With all um, the relevant information, right? With with, with uh, you know, kind of fill you in on what's going on in the rest of the plot mm-hmm. and get uh, Shooter back on track. And it's not only he's not only used for that; he's also used as a foil for shooters. So he he definitely he is a character. He's not just a plot device. Mm-hmm. Um, where I think that a lot of writers would have a character like Shinobi, and that character would be a plot device. It would be a way of um, of putting the train back on the tracks. And, and don't get me wrong; it's used that he's used that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a lot more skillful, and you know, he is his personality, right? Right. It's not his only use, but he does serve that function, right? I, you know, interestingly, you know, every every time you you get stories like this, uh, there is a mechanic involved with certain abilities, and I I really like the way Shinobi's abilities uh, were worked into the mechanic of the story where. You know, he's really quiet, and, you know, unless Shooter points out that he's in the scene, you never know where he is. Right. Well, towards the end, you kind of go, it's at this point, Shinobi will come in and do this. And, yeah, Shinobi comes in and does that. It does get a little bit, I won't say predictable, but the magic kind of goes away after a while. Right. He does subvert it once. Uh, during the the fight with the shadow entities, he turns around and, and kind of subverts that uh, shinobi come, jumping in at the last minute. Uh, during that fight, he missed a good chunk of the action. <laughs> right. And it was someone else coming in to save Shooter's ass. Yeah, so Shooter, Shooter has this, uh, I guess he's blessed... Mm-hmm. Where uh, bullets can't hit him, right? Most of the time. Most of the time, uh, because it's it, it. The blessing was bestowed upon him by Cthulhu, 
so that when someone else has comparable blessings slash curses or whatever, mm. um, they they kind of cancel each other out. Right. Kinda, so, it, it, because because I think they also not only have to do the does the character need to have equivalent blessings, but they need to have equivalent skill. Well, that's true. Uh, Shooter's no slouch. He's, uh, you know, he is named Shooter. His, his blessing isn't he always hits. His blessing is he doesn't get hit. Right. So, yes. But there are times when someone who uh, is blessed with always hitting will hit him, just not where they were aiming. Right. Well, uh, I believe his blessing was twofold in that uh, anyone who shot at him would miss and he would hit anything he shot at because he does a lot of called shots. Um, Possibly. He rarely rarely shoots to kill unless it's like a specific target. Like he he like takes out guys in the shoulders, shoots guns out of their hands, you know, stuff like that a lot. And he does it really fast too. You know, like he's got to, got that uh, Saint of Killers kind of accuracy going on, but he's using it in a, such a way where he's just not, like, slaughtering people wholesale because that's not his job. Right. And it kind of sets him apart from the men he's hunting because they do slaughter people wholesale. Yes, which is plot relevant, and you should probably read the book. Right. But, you know, it's it's necessary to set the... The, your protagonist and the antagonists apart from each other, but it's always it's yeah. always good for a, a laugh uh, when you know you might go 10, 15 pages without Shinobi saying a word, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Yes, God damn it, I didn't even know you were standing there." Well, I do I do like the fact that Shinobi uh, acts like a manga ninja in the fact where he does something. And then he just says what his technique is. Mm-hmm. Just like in, in Naruto. Yep. Like, uh, you know. <laughs> Multi shadow clone jitsu. Right. It, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're paying attention, Shinobi or Shooter, you might be able to learn some of this stuff. <laughs> it's definitely, it's transferable. Uh, one of the uh, antagonists learned how to do it. Mm-hmm. That became uh, a major and, plot point later. Right, in, uh, and not. A lot of time either, um, which is kind of seems unfair because Shinobi spent his entire life learning these techniques. Yeah, but, you know, uh, they're, they're secret magical Iga techniques, so. That's true. He spent his lifetime mastering them. That's, that's also true. He could probably use them to great effect because, I mean, it's battlefield tactics. So, you know, if you can't be useful with them in a couple of months. You know, they're really not all that great as battlefield tactics. Right. Some of them are, are pretty intense shit, though. Mm-hmm. You'd have uh, Naruto would have to be training for at least two or three episodes. Right. Right. Shadow Clone does get in there a lot. Yes. <laughs> they do have uh, multi-Shadow Clone Jitsu near and dear to my heart. Uh, Shinobi also, you know, his powers really kind of like also kind of shout out to the shadow a little bit, um, particularly the comics versions. 
of the character in that, you know, he's, you see him, but he's not really where you see him kind of yes. thing. You know, he's he cl- does, clouding he, your mind. He also does the, um, the substitution jitsu where you, you attack him and you think you hit him, but it's a log. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Snatches knives out of the air. Yes. There's definitely, there's definitely a lot. If you like, if you like uh, Naruto and that kind of thing, right. you get a kick out of out of Shinobi. Yeah, over the top kind of superhuman martial arts stuff, which is, yeah. which is always fun. Right. Well, and that's what we want. I mean, when we're watching this stuff or reading this stuff, we want that that guy who can like basically do anything and make mere mortals go wow. Wow. What the hell? Yep. What the hell? That's true. Very true. Uh, also, scattered throughout this book are some very evocative drawings or paintings by uh, Kikai Kotaki. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really like it because they're they're kind of uh, impressionist, you know, composed of just like scribbled lines, but they but the just abstract shapes come together to, to create these really evocative images of, of this action adventure Western type of setting. Right. Yes. So, so really cowboy and the ninja. Yep. Um, even if you don't like the book itself, you know, check it out for the, the, the plates of art that are in here because they, they are pretty fucking fantastic. The other thing that I enjoyed a lot about this book was the, uh, I won't say ignorance, but the ignoring of um, accepted Lovecraft canon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know whether that is a conscious decision um, on, on the author's part. I don't know if that was, um, he's Japanese and, and just doesn't, have access to the breadth of material that's out there, but he definitely said, um, fuck you to continuity. Yep. And, um, decided to go his own way in terms of how the elements of getting the Cthulhu cult into the West and into Japan happened. Right. Uh, which is always nice because, um, as as we saw in, in the book of Yig, that being slavish to this non continuity because honestly there really isn't a continuity. I'm sorry, yeah, for all you out there, but it was never intended for there to be continuity. Y'all just accept it, um, and to be a slave to that kind of um, sours a lot of projects. I. Yeah, I I, I I see what you're saying there, and and for the most part, I do agree that uh, they're just you know, yeah, Lovecraft and his kin never really intended Yogg-Sothothery to to be like a shared universe, or you know, and in the terms of like say Marvel comics. Yes, in, but, in the modern terms of heavy continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, multiple author storytelling, right, right. It's it's whatever whatever it needs to be when it gets mentioned, 
It doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, Yog Sothoth as the Dunwich Horror version. You know, it's whatever what the name is whatever it needs to be at the time. Right. And and the the history of entities and races and whatever uh, don't have to be consistent either. Even within Lovecraft's own work, there's inconsistencies. Tons of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, which to me says that if he didn't give a flying fuck about continuity, why should I? It's true. It's true. Just sit back and enjoy the ride. And uh, that's that's what you're going to do when you read this book is you're going to enjoy the ride. Yes. You may be going to hell on the bucket. That's right. But at least you're enjoying the ride. That's and right. while you're there, you should be keeping 30 luck points. Absolutely. Absolutely.